are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. Go, go, we go. are your news now. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. That's right. You are here for a reason. And the reason is it's Axe Sunday. That's Axe as an A-C-T-S, not with an axe. Although sometimes (laughs) yielding an axe is a very appealing proposition, Jesse. It can be, especially when you want to move trees quickly. Well, as quick quicker than sometimes prayer can do, but <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, oh, you're making fun of me in my camping trip expedition again. Oh. I was, but you're, yeah. <laughs> you're <laughs> you really are a brat sometimes, Jesse. <laughs> People don't know this about you. Oh, sweet Jesse, sweet Jesse, she's a brat, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I find those moments, clever moments, to to make fun, but <laughs> no, and, and it's all I good. It. And I love it, by the way. I really actually really wasn't to make fun; it really was to challenge you and to spur stir that faith within you more, Jeff. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm beyond trees now. I'm beyond. I know you're going straight for the mountains. That's great. No, no, I'm, I'm starting no. with a hill. <laughs> Just it's a big hill, though. <laughs> we don't have mountains in in Ontario. <laughs> right? <clears throat> All so right. Funny. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. God bless you, each and every one of you. Thank you for being here. Uh, this is pre-recorded, so technically we're coming from your past, but we're meeting you in the future. <laughs> and that's only because I'm out of town, but... Uh, this is going to be an amazing Sunday anyway. We've got a great lineup here with what with the Book of Acts and powerful chapter. This is one of my favorites. Um, and I'll share at the end like why this is one of my favorites. But And I will share as well. Of course, I say it's one of my favorite chapters almost every Sunday, so it might get tired. But this one, I can bring some legitimacy to why it's one of my favorite chapters. I have a personal right. story that relates to it. So, Jesse, why don't you open us in prayer, and then I will begin reading Chapter 9 of the Book of Acts. All right. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, and we just come humbly before your throne. And I just ask that for each one listening today, that you would stir our hearts as we read your word, that you would fan into flame a passion for you, Lord, and a deep we'll just say a deeper love than we've ever had before, that as we read, we would just be brought closer to you, brought into your presence, Lord. So we ask for this in your powerful name. And I ask that you would put a guard over Jeff in my mouth, that as we talk about these things, that only that which is glorifying, only that which leads people closer to you would come forth. And uh, that everything else, Lord, that you would just Put it aside and keep it from coming out. We ask for this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Yay and amen. All right. 
So we just uh, finished the stoning of Stephen, of course, and uh, Paul is zealous in his beliefs. He uh, is, you know, a, a fire-breathing Pharisee, <laughs> like literally. Yeah. Uh, and, and and I want to point out, uh, and you're going to see the change in Paul, obviously, in this chapter, but he really believes he is serving his God. Right. Yeah. He really believed that. Yeah. So we just want to set it up that way. Uh, he took pleasure in seeing Stephen, uh, being stoned because he really felt that the, you know, this is, uh, this is like someone coming into our midst and saying, uh, you know, the Jesus strand sort of thing. We want to go and, and put a damper on that immediately, as we have been, by the way, on this program. Uh, we definitely come against the great apostasy, and we'll do it uh, fervently. Uh, however, unlike Saul, we're not uh, having people put to death. Yeah. Maybe throw them a beating or pull out that axe. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall, shall I read? All right. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, whether men or women, he might bring them in shackles to Jerusalem. Now he was traveling. It happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecute, persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias and Ananias and the Lord said to him in a vision Ananias and he said here I am Lord and the Lord said to him get up and go to the street called straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many people about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is, chose, is a chosen instrument of mine 
to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons in Israel. I will show him how much he must offer or he, how much he must suffer in behalf of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and after laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like a fish scale fell from his eyes and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized and he took food and was strengthened. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gate in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. And when the believers learned this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church uh, throughout Judea, Galilee, or Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. As Peter traveled about the country, he went and visited the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named, and forgive me if I say this wrong, but I think it's um, Aeneas, yeah, I think who so. was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in uh, Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name was Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in the upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come to us at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the ropes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room and then he got down on his knees and prayed. And turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. 
He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. See how this book is just incredible? The authority that that the Lord has given his saints. Same Lord yesterday as today, right? And it's going to be amazing because we see, you know, we're coming into that time where the Lord promises in these last days that there's going to be signs, miracles, and wonders. And so we're entering into that time and, you know, there's been individuals fighting in the heavenly courtrooms for the release of those signs, miracles, and wonders to the church once again. And based off the promises that the Lord has said, you know, he, he commissioned the disciples and said, you know, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. And then he says, greater things than these you shall do. Now, what those greater things are, I can't even imagine, but it's going to be pretty powerful as we all start walking in a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. Big Hill, move. That's right. (laughs) Say to you, get up and get out of here. Move from there. That's right. All right, so let's start breaking this down. Now, Saul, still breathing threats of murder. And I just, I love how it says breathing because that that implies to me that it's it, he's so focused. The blinders are on. This is it. It's in every breath and every inhale, every exhale. He's breathing this. Yeah. Like, it just, you know, talk about zealous. Uh, threats and murders against disciples of the Lord and went to the high priest. So he, you know, he's legalistic. He's a Pharisee. And he asked for letters from the synagogue to go to Damascus. Now, why does he want to go to Damascus? Yeah, that's the question. You know, I think, you know, that was where he wants to get permission or because the believers are there, you know, he wants to take them all out. Yeah, so it, this thing is spreading like wildfire, and there's a whole bunch of Christians or believers, and there was a significant Jewish population in Damascus at the time. So he's like, okay, listen, we've got Jerusalem slightly under control after the stoning of Stephen. I got to yeah. go up here and stop it from spreading there. Like, you know, this guy is trying, like, he's aggressive. Like, because it, 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 it's about 160 miles. Okay, so not a short short journey on foot. No. <laughs> so yeah, so he uh, he wants to go there, uh, and if he found, and, and I think it's very interesting this, so that if he found any belonging to the way, yeah. So even then, like it sounds like he's calling it the way. But yet he's under this, listen, he was raised as a Pharisee. He yeah. He's only known this. So imagine everything you've known and been diligent at studying and, and reciting the prayers and memorizing. Like he was, he was a top guy and everything his whole life has been about is being challenged by this thing called the way. 
Yeah. And, and what was that challenge? Like, you know, they really believed that the, you know, that the uh, disciples were lying about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, they had stood there, they had watched uh, miracle after miracle, even as those miracles came into the temple and into the synagogue, because, you know, as the lepers were healed, what did Jesus command? Go to the priest. Who had to declare those lepers clean? They did. So they were eyewitnesses of these miracles. And, you know, what was the one that turned um, their hearts where they then set forth and said, no, we're going to kill Jesus. It was when he raised Lazarus from the dead. That was when they said, we have to stop this man. And uh, they then, you know, started to plot and plan his death. So again, like we're seeing these, these very same things that, you know, as the disciples are going out, that even the dead are being raised in this name. And, you know, they're just dead set that they have to stop it because they don't believe that he's the Messiah. So this is where Paul gets his encounter face to face with the risen Jesus. They don't believe that he's the Messiah, but they don't want to believe because it threatens their power. That's my my thoughts. Now, I've, I've always wondered about this, and I don't believe the Bible tells us the answer, but perhaps Paul wasn't in Jerusalem when all this is happening. You know, he might have come back at the tail end. Uh, Maybe maybe he saw Jesus and thought it was blasphemous. Maybe he didn't see Jesus. We don't know the answer to that. But we know he's dead set against him at this point. And uh, and by the way, when we get into uh, the later chapters, I forget the chapter it is, but there's there's a lot more clues about this uh, this conversion that go on. Mm-hmm. And one of them is this is in the middle of the day. This is in the bright sunlight, and a light brighter than sunlight comes upon Paul. So suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground. So this light is so awesome. He falls to the ground, and then he hears a voice. And, of course, no one with him um, sees the light. They only hear the voice. But still, that's yeah. kind of stunning, right? So at least they could kind of relate to Paul as they're carrying him for three days, essentially. He says, Saul, Saul. And, and that's interesting that he says it twice. So there's no mm-hmm. mistake. He's calling him out by name. And... It's interesting because you hear this voice from heaven saying, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. And everybody around him heard it as well. So not just him, it wasn't in his head. You know, the Lord audibly was speaking to him, which I believe this is the first time besides uh, the baptism of Jesus where Israel has heard the voice of God since the days of Moses, where the Lord was appearing to them in front of the mountain and they begged and pleaded and said, Lord, you know, only speak through your servant, Moses. We don't want to hear your audible voice. So, you know, the first time that he speaks to Israel since that, Um, as a people group was during that baptism with Jesus 
And then now he's directly speaking, you know, to Saul. And and these words are interesting. And I just want to uh, go away from the scripture for a second, because I think there's a teachable moment here for everyone. Uh, the Lord says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, if you just read, he he believes Jesus is dead. He doesn't think Jesus is the Messiah. He's not persecuting Jesus. He's persecuting the body of Christ, which is us. Right. And here's here's the thing I I see out of this. And and Jesse, we there's so many channels popping up on YouTube, on Telegram, and stuff attacking us. Okay. Right. I want to point out, we won't mention their names or anything like that, because first of all, we're not going to punch that far down. Uh, these people have 200 followers or whatever. It really makes no difference. But they do it anonymously, first of all. Coward. Coward. You, they're making up stuff, literally making it up, and trying yeah. to say that, think that they have authority coming from a place of holy ground. They're making up stuff against us. They won't say their name. They won't show their face. But yet yeah. they think that they're Christians and they're saviors of the faith by exposing Jesse and Jeff. Okay. Here's the teachable lesson. When you come against one in the body of Christ, Jesus is taking it personally here. He's saying, you're persecuting me. So you hit Jesse... You hit Jeff even. The Lord feels that hit. And he's saying, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. But I think that's powerful. You know, like when we really break it down that way, it's very similar because, you know, let's even just look at um, Stephen's life. You know, what what was the work that God gave him to do besides ministering to the widows you know, he was preaching the gospel. He was, you know, we assume that ministry included, you know, where he's literally serving them. Um, he's financially providing for them or overseeing finances for them. So, you know, when he, when they persecuted him, when he was put to death, you know, it just didn't impact him. It impacted those that the Lord was ministering to who needed to be taken care of. And how many widows was that? You know, so it's in the, the same way. Reaction. Yes, that's right. such a so point. It, it's, it's the same thing, you know, when it's like, if you don't know what God has called somebody to do and you're persecuting them, you now are entering into the Lord's fight. Um, you know, like even in our situation, you know, how many hours were have been spent, how many months, how many years have been spent in prayer, praying for the release of these captives, you know, praying for the downfall of the Luciferian Brotherhood, you know, over 40 years of prayer has gone into that. And when the Lord said to me, you know, you will give your testimony and you'll do it right before their faces, you know, it wasn't just having me go out publicly. You know, it included to the highest courts that literally, you know, my testimony has gone throughout the world and the Lord has given the evidences like, you know, I just had to tell them where to go get the evidence, but all of it's there. 
And so it's like, there is no refuting. There is no falsehood in that. I have done exactly what the Lord has called me to do. And the whole world is going to see as the Lord fulfills his word, where he has said, you know, I will lay them naked and bare. You know, I will expose them. So each person is going to be exposed. All of us, you know, I'm not saying that I'm absolutely perfect. I'm not, you know, there's been moments where, (laughs) yeah, you, you know what a brat I am, but, um, but there's moments where all of us fall into sin. We all fall short. We all need a savior every single day. And, uh, you know, we have to never forget that, that every moment of every day, we all need a savior. And, you know, I wouldn't do it any other way. There's only one savior in my life. There's only one name I called on that came to my help and my rescue and literally brought me out of that darkness. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he's the only one who could have done such a great work. And then to hear my prayers as a child and bring it back around now, where literally he's upheaving the entire system. He's exposing the devil's kingdom and at the highest levels and bringing forward all everything that needs to be seen about that. You, then, you can't talk of a greater work. Jesse. Yeah, you can't talk of a way, greater work. The Lord has had enough of the sin. He sees what's done to the children. He hears their cries and he's had enough. Now comes his wrath. And, you know, I guess that's a warning for all of us that, you know, all of us have the potential to be that Saul, to think that we're, you know, doing the Lord's work in persecuting others, but we're really not. And every day, every moment is that, that time to say, Lord, search my heart, know me, remove anything unclean in me and put me back into that place of right standing with you. And if we don't, you know, do we think that, you know, in our own works that we're going to be good enough to stand against the fire, the refiner's fire when it blazes through I know that even all that I've done, that when I stand before the Lord, I'm unworthy. All I've got to stand on is his blood and the testimony that he saved me, that I died with him and he raised me to new life. And there's nothing else I've got that I can bring to the table. You know, that alone to say, Lord, I'm at your mercy. I'm at your grace. Like, you gave me your unwarranted favor because you loved me. And that's all I've got to stand on. There's nothing I can say. I did this in your name, or I did that, or look at all the good things. Yeah. I, I have nothing to bring. It's like, Lord, here I am. I, I just, I believe, I believe that you love me. I believe you cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And I believe that I died with you and that you have raised me to new life. And I believe that you are good and, you know, that you've made me your bride and I'm here to serve you. And what a humble position, you know, there's nothing else that any of us have. You know, just like the, uh, the letters to the churches 
you know, didn't we cast out demons in your name? And didn't we do this in your name? And Jesus said, I don't know you. Yeah. It's, your works mean nothing. Uh, now, I, I, it's, I, sorry, I want to correct that because there are certain things that do pass through the grave with you. The, yeah. You can uh, get treasure in heaven, but it has nothing to do with your salvation. There's no works you can do yeah. to earn your salvation. None at all. Uh, but as I say, that's a different... Well, all we can do, you know, I'm glad you brought that out because each of us, like, and our works are not, I think for most of us, are not what we think they are. Each of us are given allotted things in life, things that we don't have control over. So, you know, I'll just take my own story. You know, there was so much brokenness, so much trauma, so much depth of evil and wickedness out of my childhood. And, you know, in that, there's nothing that I have that I could bring to the Lord. Yet he said, will you bring it? And it's like, okay, Lord, like I bring to you what I have. And so our works are, are we faithful with what he's given us? You know, what did he give me out of that? You know, he gave me the ability to know what those in darkness are going through, to be able to give that call into the darkness and say, come out, that God is all powerful. He can bring you out, that there is no depth of evil that is going to keep you from his love. You know, he He desires none to perish and everybody to come to knowledge of the truth. Um you know, with that, also with the authority, you know, realizing that I'm not powerless, I'm not helpless, that, you know, I have full access to the authority that Christ has given to me, that I can attain to that full measure of Christ, and that I can overcome the evil one by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, and encouraging each person to walk in that priestly authority that God has called each of us to. So, you know, it's not a matter of, you know, what can you do? It's it's what has God given you? You know, it says he's formed our days. So think about that. You know, what was formed in your life by him? And he's not asking you to be something that you're not. He's asking you to be faithful with what he's formed for you to do. And that comes with a lot of surrender. Um you know, surrender and faithful obedience. You know what? I can sum it up so much. Everything you just said in one word. <laughs> Stewardship. You're right on about that. <laughs> right on, right on. You have to be faithful in what God has given you. Uh, he's not expecting you to be faithful in the things he hasn't given you. And, right. you know, I, I, I know I'm maybe a bit of a broken record in this, Jesse, but in the New Testament, which is the New Covenant, they, the New Testament mentions, you know, faith 215 times, heaven 218 times, stewardship, not the word, but in principle mentions stewardship 2,085 times. That's tenfold the amount of times he talks about faith or heaven. Mm, Do you think the Lord right. is serious about it? Absolutely. Is giving us instruction. Yeah. 
So absolutely. And yeah. uh, and I just want to make one other comment on what you said, and just going back to the attacks, and we'll carry on. But I love the fact that you talked about the trickle down effect. So for these little little YouTubers or whatever that are coming against you, and listen, at least Lion Larry used his face and his name. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, the people who do it anonymously, but okay, maybe you talked one person out of supporting Jesse and that money was meant to go to one of these survivors who's risked their lives. And because this survive, you know, like it's a trickle down thing. Yeah. And, uh, and the Lord, when you hit God's anointed and, and listen, we are anointed of God. Yeah. When you hit his anointed, you're hitting him. That's his words, not mine. The Bible. Well, and as you go there, um, the Lord actually just brought something to my mind. Um, my anointing was in uh, 2006. And, you know, I was praying in my bathroom. And all of a sudden, the Lord stood over me with a, a jug, like a pitcher of oil. And he started pouring it over me. And the Lord said, you know, I take joy in, in anointing you and I delight in calling you. So think about the Lord's heart in that, that when we um, attack those that the Lord has called, um, we're attacking his joy, his delight, you know, and do you think God's not going to be angry about that? Um, you know, and I think of the, the least of these, you know, where really is God's heart? It's always with the least of these. He takes so much pleasure when we take care of those who are lacking and when we just love upon them. And when things come in the way, you know, where people are purposely attacking so that that work cannot happen, you know, do we think we're going to escape God's wrath? You know, his wrath is a serious... I mean, it still scares me to this day, the things that I have seen when the Lord comes forth in his wrath. And, um, you know, and if you think I didn't see it, I did. Absolutely. You know, I wasn't the only one. I can name other individuals who saw it, too. You know, April 1984, they saw the hand of God move. And, uh, you know, there's nothing like it every heart trembles every heart is afraid and you know you just don't want to see it again like i i didn't even want to see it against my enemies like i don't even pray that against my enemies no. like you know i don't pray god come forth in your wrath against them i don't want to see that wrath like i pray for the mercy and i'm like lord you know i mean it it sent me to my knees for over 40 years of pleading, like crying out, travailing for God to have mercy just for a few more years. And finally, the Lord literally showed me that cry for mercy, that it was like this little candle, birthday cake candle in my hand. And the Lord said, that's your cry and your pleading for mercy. It's like that little candle and that little light. And he said, put it into the burning coals on his altar, he, you know, the altar of in his throne room. 
He said, put that candle into the, the coals. I don't want to see it anymore. I'm not going to listen to it anymore. The time has come. And when I begged even more and said, no, I'm not going to do it, the candle was removed from my hand and shoved into those burning fiery coals. So, you know, with that, you know, what happened with that altar of coals in Isaiah 6, you know, Isaiah was standing right there and the angel took those coals out of that bed and pressed it against his lips. And, uh, you know, what came forward after that were God's judgments against Israel and against the nation. So I know exactly what that altar of coals represents. It's God's wrath and judgments. And, you know, it's that time. It's coming. There's no more holding back. Each of us has a choice, just like Saul. Are we going to continue to walk after the wisdom of men or, you know, are we really going to walk after the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, no more of this fake stuff. You know, all these people, you know, I'm going to kind of just go on a rant here because really it is an assault against God. You know, there is one name by which we are saved under heaven and the earth, and that is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So all those preaching that you can only call on the name of Yeshua or other things. I'm not saying that calling on Yeshua is wrong, but, you know, for them to devalidate so many people's salvation or to make it so that we are afraid to call on the name of the Lord, that's what's making the Lord angry. And, um, you know, how many other things are they, are they saying and doing, you know, talking about they're literally taking the works of God, the miracles that have been fought for in the heavenly realm, in the courts, the things that God has released, like the anointing on the land and saying that it's deceptive, that it's of the enemy. They make up, they create false documents, uh, you know, saying that there's a false anointing of the Antichrist. You know, it's not so. They're they're defaming the work of the Holy Spirit that's gone forth the very work that literally, you know, went across the land and is paving the way for the gospel, for people to come out of the darkness. And the captives are coming out as people have gone in those places and been anointed. We're seeing revival in those places, you know? So there's evidence that the spirit of God is moving. And now, you know, what does the Lord want? He wants a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power, but who's willing to come forward to get anointed and to dedicate themselves saying, okay, Lord, here am I. I'm ready to heal the sick. I'm ready to raise the dead. I'm ready to, you know, cleanse the lepers and cast out the demons. And Lord, I'm ready for the greater than these works. Like when you tell me to tell the heavens to, you know, be stopped up and for the rain to stop falling, I'm ready for that, Lord. You know, when you tell me to move those mountains out of the way, I'm ready for it. When you tell me to command the earth to spew forth the wickedness that's within it, I'm ready for that, Lord. You know, how many of us are going to step up to the plate? That's what the Lord is now calling for. He wants the warriors to come forward and uh, he's ready to send them out with a demonstration of his Holy Spirit's power but who's ready to receive it? 
You know, there's uh, two questions that come to mind when you bring that up, Jesse, because there's uh, there's obviously the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, uh, and there's also a little bit of courage that it takes to stand up and to do those things. And, you know, uh, courage is a very curious thing. You never know which way you're going to react until you're in that situation. Yeah. It'd be easy for a guy like me to say, <laughs> I'm big, I'm strong, I'll have the courage. And then, you know, facing an enemy, <laughs> I'm, I might be the first one running. We don't know. Right. And uh, But when we pray for more of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, our courage means less and less. Yeah, because it's not us. It's him living through us. And, and there's that oneness with God. You know, I know when the Lord, you know, comes upon me to do something, it's like, it's just there. It just comes, it just flows. You know, the Lord says that person over there, go put your hands on them, pray for them. And I've even had individuals who would just be, you know, who have later said, Hey, I heard, I heard, or I, I saw that prayer. And then the Lord healed me. Like, you know, when I had a group of people praying over my thyroid, we had all fasted and prayed for the healing of that. Well, that night, the Lord healed several other individuals who had <laughs> thyroid issues, you know? So it's like the Lord just moves. And are we willing just to come into his presence? <laughs> well, it, it's funny when you talk about that, because here's this word again in verse three, suddenly. A yeah. light from heaven flashed around him suddenly. And, you know, I just keep hearing that word from the Lord, and it certainly st stands out in Scripture. Uh, but it says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it says, so Saul says, who are you, Lord? Which I find interesting uh, right there. And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So he's not saying I'm uh, I'm Stephen's savior. I'm Stephen's God. He's not saying that. He says I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. So, you know, it's it's interesting because you will be told what you must do, and when yeah. the Lord comes suddenly, it's like, who are you, Lord? Paul says. And because Paul was such a diligent servant, he was active. He wasn't a lazy guy. You know, there's nothing right. in the scriptures that indicates he is lazy. So, and he's a quick thinker. He's obviously a super intellect. And so he's immediately thinking, what must I do? And the Lord mm -hmm. says, go here and you'll be told what you must do. And I also find it interesting here that, uh, uh, where is it? Uh, so, you know, he heard the voice, but he got up. And although his eyes were open, he could see nothing. How many people in society today have their eyes open, but can see nothing? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't help it. <laughs> well, it's true. You know, there's these blinders that are over people's eyes. And, you know... In the Old Testament, that was the place of wavering faith. 
that they did they were in that place of indecision they couldn't decide who was god you know they would see the prophets of baal and they had to decide are they going to worship baal or are they going to worship god and uh what followed a sign of god's power you know literally a pillar from a fire came from heaven upon the altar and they knew in that moment who was god there was only one person answering to that name that's right i also find it very interesting that uh he walked in darkness for three days, you know, which yeah. is you know, obviously symbolic of the death and resurrection. And really, this was the death of Saul and the resurrection of Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I, I love this. And, uh, well, we've gone on too long with personal stories. Perhaps I won't share that today. Um, you should share it, Jeff. We can come back and go over this, finish this scripture next Sunday if we need to. All right. Well, thank you for that, Grace. Uh, I have only given partial testimonies on this show. Um, it is my belief that my public testimony really. Uh, begins at salvation. So I've given some hints about my past. Um, Listen, I was always a good-hearted person. I I will say that. I was never a thief. Uh, But I had gotten very hard and lived, you know, a a pretty terrible lifestyle in in many ways. And, uh, And obviously, you know, when I became a single father, my life started to change because I took on that responsibility. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of a, a little bit of a death to Jeff, uh, right there in a good way, uh, because I really started to mature. Uh, however, the reason why this chapter is so important to me and don't hear anything I'm not saying, because I'm not saying I'm a Paul, <laughs> I'm not Paul is one of the greatest men of God, but I do have some things in common with him. And before Christ, I had a call on God. In fact, God gave me a, put a promise on my life when I was, I think probably about 10 years old. Can't remember the exact, maybe I was 11, but you know, somewhere in there, he put a call on my life and he made a promise to me. And I, I literally heard the audible voice of God just walking as a child. I remember I was walking up a hill and all of a sudden, suddenly God spoke to me and he put a promise on my life. And you have to understand at that point, you know, my parents are atheists. Uh, my mom was a believer uh, and in the church as a young lady, but then she saw the hypocrisy of the church and said, I don't want to be in that club. And she chose to become an atheist. Uh, My father is an atheist. My sister is an atheist. You know, my family were atheists, although my aunt uh, had been praying for me for years. I found Mm. this out later Uh, as I, after I became a Christian, because when she had heard the news, she was phoning me every night, discipling me. Wow. But um, when it says suddenly, uh, oh, I should, (laughs) I will point out, I don't want to point out the bad stuff, but because I 
really felt to call on God. I decided to leave all my friends. I decided to go to a Catholic school uh, because I wanted to learn about God. And that was the closest place. In fact, I was cutting through that school uh, and walking up the hill when God talked to me. Wow. <laughs> so that that's uh, that's something I don't think I've ever uh, brought it forward before. But uh, it was it was actually on the property of that school. So I decided, hey, let's leave my other school, leave all my friends. I'm going to go to this Catholic school and find God. And uh, I did not find God there. I was repelled. If this is God, I want nothing to do with it. And I'm not coming against mm-hmm. Catholic schools. I'm not coming against just. I just that, that was very ritualistic. It was it just I did there wasn't life there, and. And I turned against it. And to further the point and to really drive my anger, uh, there was uh, someone who later became a good friend of mine, but a neighbor who lived across the street, his name was Colin. And him and his sister were adopted uh, by some real fundamentalist Pentecostal people. Mm -hmm. And... You know, he was not allowed to listen to any kind of secular music, for instance. They weren't allowed. They weren't allowed to do this. They weren't allowed to do that, you know. Um, And, of course, you know, spoiler alert, it ended up sending him to do all those things into an extreme because Mm -hmm. he wasn't allowed. He wasn't allowed to make his own choice. Uh, but one of the other things he wasn't allowed to do was allowed to hang out with uh, with Jeff across the road because Jeff had started the drive. Jeff had long hair, uh, you know, and uh, but he was a, a, a good guy and he was he was uh, two years younger than me, uh, but he would come across the road. And he would bring his Bible and he would start trying to preach the good news to me. And obviously he really wasn't, uh, didn't know the scriptures well or anything like that. But he would try and he really had serious intent. And the kid would not shut up, (laughs) you know. And considering I already kind of had a distaste for God, uh, when him coming and constantly badgering me with his Bible, I went out and I bought the Satanic Bible. And I did it more as a joke, quite yeah, honestly. You haven't told me this part of the story, Jeff. Now it's getting good. <laughs> but I thought, okay, you're going to read some verses to me. You're going to listen to me read some verses to you, <laughs> right? And uh, anyways, I'll, I'll just say that that developed a little bit. Um, and then fast forward, you know, I probably getting more depraved in my entertainment business, the shows I was willing to put on, Mm -hmm. uh, using women for sex and even wanting to exploit it through entertainment because sex sells. Uh, You know, there was a bunch of stuff. uh, And by the way, when I say that, no porn. (laughs) It wasn't porn. (laughs) It was just rock and roll sleaziness. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not going to get into any detail because it doesn't honor God. But it was, uh, you know, I think my daughter was, would have been just a couple of years old and uh, at this time. So I'd already started to make a bit of a change in my life, obviously. And I'm driving up this road. Uh, it wasn't to Damascus. It was to, to Beaverton, eh? <laughs> <laughs> eh. <laughs> and... 
Yeah, Beaverton. I had to say it. (laughs) But I was literally on the road, and I'm coming. It was a Tuesday afternoon, midday. And, you know, literally, this light shone upon me suddenly. And although I didn't hear an audible voice, like it wasn't like I heard it with my ears, I heard it in my head. And God said, I am the God you have been seeking. I am your God. I am love. I have mm-hmm. chosen you. I love you. I've chosen you. Like it was, it, it was so much more just wrapped into this short space and time. I, you know, it's hard to even dis- to describe, but God gave me an entire message, like instantly. And I find myself driving and I'm bawling my eyes out because I just found the truth. Everything in my world was a lie before that happened. Yeah. And then, uh, so I was, I was working at the time and, uh, I really felt filled with the Holy ghost, even without any knowledge of the scriptures really, uh, at this point. And I, uh, I go up and I, I see my customer and instead of selling them anything or, you know, I I start preaching Jesus. (laughs) Wow. And, uh, so I lost that customer and, <laughs> and, you know, I, I go back and listen, I, the, the truth is uh, I was really high with on the spirit at the time, not, not with drugs or anything, but high in the spirit. And, you know, that, that feeling starts to leave and, you know, you get home, you cook dinner, you get back to reality and, you know, for the next few days, I started questioning the authenticity of the experience. Mm-hmm. I, I really did. I, you know, well, listen, maybe it was a flashback. You know, it's like okay, <laughs> weird stuff. Could have it. And, and, and honestly, I think I was trying to justify my old life. Right. When it comes down to it, that's probably what it was, Jesse. Um, but because we lived in the country, uh, we had a, a big uh, farm property uh, surrounded. There was no neighbors, like for miles, and no kids around. But there was this tiny little church down a uh, down a, a dirt road, you know, just a mile and a half, two miles away from my house, and in the middle of nowhere. So very, very small congregation. And I decided, or I justified, going to this church because I wanted to socialize my daughter. So, you know, right after this, uh, nice excuse. (laughs) And, but I tell you my honest intent, and this is shameful, but my honest intent was I wanted to walk in there, call them all hypocrites and burn the church to the ground. That's how furious I was with religion by this point in my life. And obviously, you know, any kind of religious or, or faith conviction would have ruined this great life I was having. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, my life was really great. You know, we were partying, we were traveling, we were doing all kinds of stuff. It, it was, you know, the pinnacle of what they sell you on TV. Uh, very empty, by the way, as I, as I learned as we went forward. But what happened as I walked into that church, I was greeted in love. Mm. And I heard the truth for the first time. 
I could not deny a thing that was preached. And I wanted to. I could not deny anything. So the third Sunday, I got uh, I got saved. I accepted Christ. Short story. Uh, it's amazing. And, and the most unlikely people befriended me. Uh, and, and it's funny as we as we go down and uh, the Lord's going to tell you what things you must suffer because that uh, that great life I had and God has done this to me about three times, Jesse, he's mm -hmm. completely dismantled my life. Yeah. Like stripped me of everything. Listen, I was one of the most popular guys. I was on, on that farm property. I was having parties once a month where I'd get 500 to 1,000 people showing up at my house. I had a stage wow. in my front yard. I had a massive PA system. You know, we had, like, this is just at my house. I had a, my own concert venue, you know, a uh, big bonfire, endless wood. It was, everything was, like, and then all of a sudden, you know, I went from uh, hero to zero. Uh, yeah. Because, and the first thing that went away, Jesse, was I stopped swearing. The first thing that went away. And and although, you know, my life was being stripped away, everything I was praying for in those first couple of years or first few years was happening. Everything. I'm seeing miracles. Like, I couldn't turn around and not see a miracle in those times. And, that, and by the way, that did fall away because I think there's a, a, a nurturing process and then you become a teenager and God says okay now it's time for you to step up and you know uh, there's some years that I didn't step up there you know mm -hmm. I'm thankful that he's called me uh, again and again and again because as I say Jesse I'm I'm thick and the Lord usually repeats himself with me <laughs> me as well but how powerful and I think all of us you know need to hear that and need to know that you know, it's it's not something that's just a glorious walk. I mean, you know, I know one or two people that really claim that and have believed their whole life, you know, where they've had nothing but goodness from God's hand. But, you know, your story is a lot like mine, where it's like there's this continual, you know, stripping away. And it seems like, you know, there'll, there'll be moments and it's like, wow, this is the, you know, the life. And this is what God's called me to. Like, I remember, you know, for me, it was first when I was like, you know, about 17 and, uh, you know, I was working at a pizza place delivering pizzas. And, uh, for about three months, every time I knelt down to pray, the Lord kept telling me, I want you to teach five day Bible clubs. And I would hear him clear as day, had no idea what they were. I was like, Lord, I, I don't know what they are. And he didn't show me. I tried to research, couldn't find anything on it. So I'm like, what in the world is this? Right. You know, and uh, long story short, you know, I continued to fight with him about it to, to the point that at the end of that three months, I was like, God, you know, and I wasn't saying it to be prideful. It was kind of just one of those things. It's like, what do you say when God keeps telling you to do something, but he's not showing you how, you know, and it was like, Lord, there's no way in hell you can make me do it. Like I tithe 80% of my check. What are you complaining about? I tithe <laughs> it to the pastor's family who's got eight kids, you know? So it's like, it's like what, 
you know, I'm just going to be happy doing this little pizza job, you know. And that night as I went out, uh, we had a switch off where one of the, the girls who usually who usually did the faraway deliveries called in sick. And so um, she would also help like serve beer at the pizza place. And that's the one thing I wouldn't do. So my, my friend had to stay and do the short deliveries and I had to do a long one. Very first long delivery I go on, you know, I remember going, driving up into the house and I saw it like up on their porch, they had these white tulips and I had never seen a, a white tulip before. And I was like, is that a tulip? Like, what the heck? I've never seen a white tulip before. And so anyway, I turned off the truck, everything went to get out and I was grabbing the pizza out. And just as I did, the truck started to roll and it hit me down on the ground and I got my back got stuck on the bottom of the door and I started crawling with it. But as I crawled, the wheel caught my leg, my left leg and started rolling up my leg and it stopped at my knee. And I was just like, man, I'm going to get, I'm going to die today. <laughs> you know, I'm getting run over by my own truck. And, and uh, the guy came running out from the house and he's like, what do I do? And I said, well, my leg's probably already broken. Just get back in and dry. You know, I gave him the keys and he drove it back over. And then the ambulance came and literally like my leg had tire tracks. It was flat and had tire tracks. And the ambulance guy was just like, man, he's like, you, I, I, you know, it's a miracle. You don't have pain, but he's like, you know, just be prepared. He's like, this is pretty bad. It looks bad, you know? So then I went into the hospital and the doctor, you know, kept coming in and then he'd be like, I can't believe it. And he'd walk out after two hours of that. I finally was like, okay, what's the deal? Like, what can't you believe? And now this is the interesting thing. My coworker who was not a Christian, I had been witnessing to him and he knew about my wrestling with God in this matter. So he was there with me at the hospital. And I will never forget when the doctor turned and he looked at both of us and he said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your leg. He said, no bones broken, no, no muscles torn. Um, he said, you can get up and walk out and go home. And at that moment, the Lord said to me, and my friend heard it, the Lord said, I want you to teach five-day Bible clubs. And I was like, okay, okay, here I am, you know, but I still don't know what they are, how to contact them. But what it took was that moment of surrender. Once I said, okay, here I am, the next day, out of the blue, five-day Bible clubs calls my house. And they're like, you know, we got your name from someone. I didn't even know who it was, but we got your name from someone and we want to know, would you like to join and teach our five-day Bible clubs? And I was like, yes, I'm there, you know? So I got into that. And, and with that, you know, the Lord really brought out and opened a lot of doors uh, for evangelism. So it was through those doors that um, I really got out on the streets. I was not just witnessing at the five-day Bible clubs, but you know, got involved with, uh, I was like downtown in the inner city ghettos, uh, you know, working with the gang children, um, just bringing whoever I could to the Lord and so many miracles, so many miracles. 
And I thought that was the highlight. You know, I thought that was what God was calling me to for the rest of my life. And then, you know, I, I go to school. I even, you know, it was like I actually was studying to be a doctor. I was in pre-med since I was 17. I had started a, a program with surgeons and had planned to be a heart surgeon. So all this was happening and I still go. I'm, you know, uh, heading into the med program. And in there, that's where, you know, um, Avedon and, you know, we'll just say Johnny O, Brennan Buo uh, decided to, you know, try to loop me into some programs and I was fighting them. And the one day at church, the Lord just, he sent this missionary and the missionary prophesied and started saying some stuff. And at that moment, the Lord said, you'll work on human hearts, but not as a surgeon. I was going to say, yeah, because you actually did become a heart surgeon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was really interesting. He was like, but not as a surgeon. And he literally then, like with a mighty hand, he had to move me out of that area. Like he literally, he, he gave me the verse Jerem, out of Jeremiah 3. And he said, I'm going to take you from your city. I'm going to take you from your town. And I'm going to bring you to Mount Zion where I will give you teachers after my own heart. So I thought, man, evangelism is what he's calling me to. And he put me right in, you know, this central spot where I had all these big evangelists, Billy Graham, Lowell Lundstrom, Don Byerly. Um, you know, I even was worked with the Byerly ministries for quite some time. And, uh, you know, but when I had to get an internship for the seminary, not a single one of them had a, a space open. And so it was like, well, God, how are you going to work this out? You know, and the only individual who had a spot to do an internship was the local chaplain at the hospital. And so I went in and met with him. And it was funny from day one, he was like, God's called you to this. Like, you're meant to be a chaplain. I was like, nah, that's not for me. And he's like, I couldn't figure out. I was like, what am I doing that makes you think this is my calling in life? Like, I'd walk in and just ask people, you know, would you like prayer? And he kept saying, no, you're made for this. And I'm like, I'm not seeing it because it wasn't like the evangelism, you know. And um, so then, you know, sure enough, that was the exact road the Lord had me go down. And then even then, he swapped it up because, you know, I thought for time I was actually, you know, looking at becoming, um, you know, those who train chaplains, a CPE supervisor. I'd gotten into the CPE programs and uh, working with the, those who do that type of training. I was looking at becoming an instructor and all that. And all of a sudden the Lord pulls it out. and is like, nope, you're going to give your testimony and it was suddenly, Jeff, actually, that was funny that you kept saying that word because at that pivotal moment where everything was stripped away, like the Lord literally, you know, took me from my family, my hometown, you know, out of my marriage that was uh, really bad, um, delivered us out of all of that stuff. And I had nothing, absolutely nothing. And it, it was like, God, I've, I can't leave my kids home alone because one of them you know, was so damaged from stuff that had happened. And it was like, God, I can't even go get a job because I can't leave him home. He'll, he'll harm somebody. You know, he, he was causing so violent uh, because of his anger. And 
all of a sudden my one of my dear friends that I was staying with she woke up the one morning she said the Lord just kept giving me a word and he said it three times suddenly 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 <laughs> she said don't worry about it everything's going to happen suddenly and th th it ties into you too so this is funny so that night I knelt down and I prayed and I said, Lord, release to me my Redeemer kinsman. And it was plural. And the very next day, three individuals called me about different types of jobs. And then the shows, I had eight people reaching out for the shows. And it was just like that. Boom, boom, boom. The Lord set it all into place and gave me a full-time job doing his work, which is totally nothing that I would have ever thought at the time, but he's brought out those deeper things. Like if I hadn't gone to this place, you know, none of my childhood stuff would have come out, you know, and the Lord's like, no, I don't want you just to be a chaplain. He's like, I want you to, you know, be that chaplain that goes down into the deepest gutter and pulls these people in wickedness out, you know, and he's like, and I want you to take an army with you. So he's like, I'm going to supply you with, uh, you know, armies all over the world who are going to go down and do this, this work. And, uh, you know, but if we're not willing to submit to the Lord into that suffering, because you, there is, there's that shift. You have to be willing to give up. Like, even if it seems absolutely perfect, you know, I loved being an evangelist. I loved preaching on the streets, you know, that, that really was my cup of tea, but I had to give that up in order to go, you know, if I had never given that up, I wouldn't have got to the point where those who really needed rescue down in that darkness were saved. Amen. You know, as we, uh, and, and we'll pick up next time at, verse 10 <laughs> <laughs> right. we didn't get very far but god i i have a feeling there are several people the lord was really speaking to today as we shared our stories that well, the lord's there's, there's doing something in their lives really comes, right now there's one thing that really comes to my mind after saying this and and you know god isn't the god of confusion and so i i believe it's important to say uh, look, Jesse's testimony is extreme. Uh, the way God called me was kind of extreme. Yeah. The, the way God call, called Paul was extreme because uh, we, well, I was a zealot. Uh, Jesse was a mother of darkness. Don't even, <laughs> that's obviously not a common thing. Um, and, you know, the, a lot of you might be thinking, well, I just, uh, you know, my parents went to church, I went to church, and I said yes as a kid, and then I grew, and I even said yes again as I as I grew in my faith a little bit, and then as an adult, I really kind of went all in. Or, you know, there could be just someone who, uh, you know, heard a word on TV, you know, heard a TV evangelist and, and chose to uh, be born again at that moment. Uh, yeah. God meets you where you're at. And if that's all, if, if God just had to dribble in his scriptures for you to make that decision, hallelujah, be thankful for that. Please don't think, man, I wish I went through the filth that Jesse and Jeff went through so I could have had that meeting with God. You had a meeting with God. Yeah. 
don't don't underestimate or don't doubt your salvation because you didn't see him stand before you. You didn't, you know, it's. Or your calling. God calls us at different times to be, to be working the field. You know, some are meant to sow the seed, some are meant to water and some are meant to harvest. So, you know, each of us have a different part that we play. All are important and all happen at different seasons, different times. And what the Lord did in your life is exactly right for your life. Yeah. It's exactly right. So I just want to be sure that uh, we don't have anyone doubting anything because, you know, um, and some of you have really extreme stories, and I know that as well, and be thankful that he's pulled you out of that mire as well. Uh, And it really was mire that you were walking through before coming to that salvation. So uh, speaking of which, Jesse, I just, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the Lord, well, not hoping, that's a weak word. I'm trusting that the Lord has answered some of our prayers and brought non-Christians to see this broadcast. And Jesse, I'll just ask if you wouldn't mind leading someone in a prayer of salvation. If you've heard this, there's a tugging on your heart. Um, God's calling you and it's not always him standing in front of you and saying, you need to come. No, he's tugging on your heart right now. Um, and I would suggest to you that today is the day we're in times of uncertainty. And believe me, it's much better when he tugs on your heart than when he comes knocking on your door. <laughs> so take the gentle way. Do it today. Jesse, lead us in a prayer, please. That's right. So, Lord, we just come before you and, and we just lay everything about our lives before you and, and we confess Lord, all of the things in our lives that are displeasing to you, the things that we've done that hurt you or hurt others. And we just ask for forgiveness. Um, And we ask that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you that your love is so great that there's no depth, there's no height, there's no width, there's no breadth to it. It, it goes beyond time, beyond space. And Lord, you've gone beyond just to search each of us out because you love us. You made us and you've called us to have life and to have eternal life. So for all those who are seeking today, Lord, I just ask that you would meet them where they're at, that as they come and lay their lives before you, that you would fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would breathe into them new life, that they would feel that death of their old self being buried with you in the grave, and they would feel your mighty hand grabbing them by the collar and just raising them up into new life. And we just thank you, Lord, that your work is complete, that you deliver us from all of our sin. And your word says that you are the God who just doesn't take away our sins. You violently grasp our sins by force and remove them from us as far as the East is from the West. So I thank you, Lord, that you are able to make us utterly clean 
and that we are able to attain to that full measure to do the good works that you have purposed for us to do from the moment you created us in our mother's womb. So I pray that you would begin to unleash today those mighty works that you've called us to, that we would hear you say our name and that we would know that you are sending us forth to do the works that you've called us to do. We thank you for this in your powerful name, Jesus. And if anybody prayed that prayer with us today, I'm just going to ask that you reach out, put it, put a comment in the show below and say, hey, I was one of those. I gave my life to Christ for the first time today, or um, the Lord's been nudging on my heart that I need to rededicate my life. I, you know, I'm ready to take that next step and to be all in. I'm ready to go forth with a demonstration of his spirit's power and uh, just put that in the comments below and we will be praying for you. Yeah, the comments, not the chat, because the chat goes away. We want to make sure that we see it in the comments. Or you can send an email to writeonjeff at gmail.com so we can pray over you. Uh, Jesse, uh, since we're being brutally honest, you know how I know there was power in that prayer? How is that? <laughs> because I was praying it with you, and sin entered my mind when I was praying it, and I had to rebuke it. It was like... You know, wow. this demon whispering in my ear, like, don't agree with this. Don't, you know, get your mind off of it. And I had to capture those thoughts immediately and say, God, that, that's not my voice, you know, gone. Yeah. It's it's gone. So I know that there was uh, someone that the Lord has really been, I, I feel this it, with all 100% integrity. I wouldn't admit that I'm thinking of sin while praying if I, didn't but uh listen uh there's someone in particular that the lord ha really has plans for you so uh let us know who you yeah. are uh amen jesse <laughs> yeah we'll pick up yeah. at verse, verse 10 and uh and we'll focus on the scriptures <laughs> next sunday a little bit more than we did today but uh, listen uh it's we we really pray to be Holy Spirit led, and we trust that uh, this was Holy Spirit led, and you know someone needed to hear uh, one part of any one of those little stories that came out today. Uh, <laughs> praise God, let His Word go forward. Uh, in the meantime, remember: love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community.